There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It was early in the morning, and I was on a road when I noted the creature standing in the middle of the road 100 feet away. It stared at me curiously, then started shaking its arms and fists at him. Thorpe thought that might be a sign of intelligence. I glanced away, and when I looked back, the creature was gone. There was a lot of three-foot-high grass, and it might have dived behind a berm. The sun was behind the creature, so I only saw the silhouette no facial features. It was about seven foot tall with a great big chest and long arms and covered with six or seven inch hair, color unknown. The creature had a five inch long neck and a roundish head. There was also a horrible smell associated with the sighting. The Deschutes National Forest in this area is covered with lodgepole pine trees with little brush or ground clutter. I was out with my girlfriend at the time, and my best friend and his wife. We went out to a really secluded part of Smoky Mountain National Park on the Carolina side. We had to drive on a five-mile dead, in-mountain, winding road to get to the parking lot before we could go camping. Parking lot empty. Not a soul around for miles. No cell reception. A minute after we park, we see a car pull into the parking lot a few hundred yards ahead. A single man gets out and walks to the tunnel after which the hiking trail starts. His demeanor was kind of zombie blank, like. It didn't help that the last town that we visited before going to the hike looked like a bunch of meth ripped the town a new one. Everyone looked zonked, skinny, dirty, with no F's given. Anyways, this guy comes up to the edge of the tunnel and attempted to dig around using a shovel that he had with him for a minute or two. Then he walked back to his car. On the way back, he did ask where we were going, and without thinking, I made the mistake of telling him which hiking path we were planning on taking. Then a few minutes later, he went back to his car and drove off. Remember, this was a secluded, winding mountain, 
dead-end road that you had to drive five miles on before hitting the parking lot. So basically, this guy made that drive to poke at the ground and then left. We didn't see a single other car the whole time we were there. We ended up hiking for a few hours. Then it started getting dark, and we were getting lost and ill-prepared at best. With two dainty women and nearly dead flashlights. Also, the place was known to have bears. We ended up walking back. When we got back to the parking lot, we were very relieved when our car was still there. Apparently, everyone was freaked out about this guy coming back and doing something awful. There was no good explanation of why he went there except that he was following us. There was no one around to help. He could have stolen the car, cut the brakes, and or done stalked us, and no one would ever know or find us. I still have no idea why the guy went there or what he was doing there, but definitely feel we made the right call not to leave the car there overnight. The lighthouse in the middle of the National Forest was a sight to behold, a relic of the past. Its weather-worn stone walls and towering structures stood defiantly against the elements, surrounded by the beauty of the dense forest that stretched as far as the eye could see. History whispered through the aged bricks, telling tales of ships guided safely by its light in years gone by. As the park ranger Jen arrived at the lighthouse, he was met with an eerie sense of quietude. The air felt charged with anticipation, as if something was waiting to reveal itself. However, upon initial inspection, everything seemed normal. Jenna explored the lighthouse, climbed the winding stairs to its peak, and marveled at the breathtaking views. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows across the forest, Jenna decided to spend the night in the lighthouse before returning to the main base in the morning. She made herself comfortable, feeling a mix of excitement and apprehension about the prospect of spending a night alone in the historic structure. As night enveloped the forest, Jenna lit a small lantern and settled in for the night. However, the tranquility was short-lived. Whispers danced through the air, almost imperceptible at first, but soon growing louder and more unsettling. Knocking echoed through the walls as if an unseen presence demanded attention at the lighthouse's door. Jenna approached the door cautiously, heart pounding in her chest. She opened it, but there was no one in sight. The forest outside seemed to be swaying with a life of its own, yet there was no human presence to explain the eerie sounds. She felt like she was being watched, the sensation of discomfort intensifying with each passing moment. Determined to uncover the source of the eerie occurrences, Jenna continued her exploration of the lighthouse. She ventured into the basement, guided only by the flickering light of her lantern. The air felt heavy and oppressive, as if the walls themselves held secrets of their own. As she opened the basement door, Jenna gasped in horror. There, stumbling and waddling before her, was a creature like nothing she had ever seen before. Its ghastly appearance was enough to make her stomach churn, and its vacant, hollow eyes sent shivers down her spine. The creature was tall, impossibly so, and disturbingly skinny, as if it had emerged from the depths of a nightmare. Without warning, the creature lunged at Jenna, its disfigured jaw opening wide with a haunting scream. In a moment of terror, Jenna's world went black as the creature overpowered her. When Jenna woke the next day, the sun was shining, and everything appeared to be back to normal. The eerie occurrences had ceased leaving her bewildered and questioning her own sanity. Had it all been a vivid dream, or had she truly encountered a malevolent presence within the lighthouse's walls? When I was growing up, I lived in a town that currently has a population just shy of 200, so less then. We would go hunting and fishing and camping a lot and I don't remember what the reason for this one trip was, but we were driving down. The dirt road, a lot of the roads were dirt, but that one we called the dirt road. No people anywhere around back then. It is late at night, and I see an orange glowing thing just over the tree line. I ask my father what it is, and he says it is the moon. But one issue, if that was the moon, what was the sliver, 
not quite his fully round thing on the other side of the road. Anyway, whatever it was, dip bell of the tree line, and apparently I was the only person who ever saw it. While out hiking in the middle of the night with my friends in California, we came across a mountain lion. We were headed down the mountain, my friend at the front, another one of my friends in the middle, and myself in the back. The front friend suddenly stopped and asked, Did you guys hear that? I thought he was joking, but asked what? Anyway, consequently, I looked to my left off the trail and saw glowing eyes staring back at me about 15, 20 feet away. I pushed the button on my headlamp to make it shine brighter and saw the silhouette of a mountain lion. We all stared at it in fear, and it stared back. Finally, I called out and raised my arms above my head. Hey, lion, in an attempt to scare it away. This next part I'll never forget. It blinked exactly once and very slowly, like how common housemate blink. Then it turned away and we couldn't see it anymore. All the way down the mountain, we shouted random things to scare it away. If it was even still following us. We even had a conversation while shouting just to keep our minds off it. Mind you, we were terrified. I remember every 20 seconds or so, I would check behind us and scan the area to see if it was following us. Also, myself and the friend in the front had our knives drawn, as if my little Leatherman would made a difference in the event of an attack. Knowing that mountain lions attack their prey from behind, and with myself being in the back of the group, my friend very well could save my life. I like to explore, and there's some woods by my house that my neighbors gave me permission. I go in, so they know I go there sometimes just to walk or to explore with friends. So there's this old bridge that somehow was knocked down, and I enjoy going there. So one day I figure I'll make a cool video edited of it. So I ride my bike to the greenway by the creek. It's and I start down, and everything is fine. I get to the fence line that's down, hop it, still have permission here. So I push my bike a bit farther, then unload, leaving my bike hidden with my pack. Not sure why hidden, but I don't want anything to happen to it. So I start to walk to the bridge with two GoPros, one on a chesty, another on a selfie stick. I get there, take some cool pictures and video I'm finishing up and realize, crap, I didn't get bedroll. So I start recording again, just getting standard shots, when all of a sudden I hear a truck or a pull-up, which I thought was weird, since my neighbors were not home, and it's an overgrown grass lane leading to the bridge also. You can't see the bridge from the road. Also, my neighbors would have seen me enter their property, so I start to leave, since I have no idea who it is. Then I heard them beep. I, I can hear it on the video. So I hide behind a pine tree, I know smart, then someone yells, hey, at this point, I just run to my bike and leave. I still have no idea who it was, and the last time I went back alone, I got weird feeling and left. Also, not the only strange thing that happened to me here. This story takes place when I was about nine or ten. I'm 22 now. My mom took me fishing after school. I assume it was the weekend, not sure now. We went to a local reservoir that's maybe 10 minutes out of town. We live in Illinois, in the tiny town we live, and used to pump water from this creek into the reservoir, I guess to keep the water level up. Anyway, me and my mom finish fishing and are getting ready to go home. This reservoir is up on hill that you have to take these old iron stairs up the hill past an old pump house that's gone now. I think we were just about at the top of stairs getting ready to make the descent back to the turnoff from the highway. My mom pointed out this long thing going down the creek. It was about three or four car lengths long and maybe the width of a car. My mom goes is that a tree because what was stinking out of the water was green. However, it starts moving kind of like a large fish. I saw what looked like a, the rear fin on a fish raise up out of the water as it was almost past. I told my mom I was scared to go to the car. 
because I was scared of whatever that creature was. In my ten-year-old mind, I thought it was an alligator or something. She told me that it couldn't get out of the water, and that made me feel better about going down the hill to the car. I've never seen a fish that large in my life again. My mom mentioned the story to me again recently, and this made me decide to do my own research. My uncle said it was most likely a river carp. But I've looked at pictures of river carp, and what we saw was like eight times the length of a record-breaking-sized carp caught in the area. The creek I found out is called Spring Creek, and it connects to the Sangamon River and the on to the Mississippi River. I've heard reports of bull sharks being seen in St. Louis, which is about one hour away by interstate, but I have no idea what would have been in the creek, which was large, indecently wide, and I'm assuming deep since I threw rocks in it on later fishing trips, and they made a large splash in the murky brown water. I have no idea what it was to this day, but it was so large and moved, meaning it wasn't a tree or other object. I still have no explanation about what it could have been. I've been to the reservoir in the creek several times over the years and never saw anything like it again. It was daytime during this. I'm assuming around 7 p.m. at night during early fall, as it was after school and it was sunny. The reservoir is now unused as the town now gets water from a close-by city now and the water level has dropped drastically. It's now about 10 feet more shallow now and I've even been able to walk through the middle. Once with friends when we were looking for a place to smoke, When I was backpacking on the Appalachian Trail, I was laying in my tent at night, listening to the rain. I heard what sounded like someone walking on gravel and saw a light flashing through my tent. The flashing was slow, like a headlamp going behind tree, then being seen again. The sun had just gone down, so I thought it was another. Hiker was coming up to the otherwise empty shelter site. I unzipped my tent to look, and there was nothing there. I was coyote hunting. I'm Northern California, and as some might know, Northern California is not like Central and Southern California. There is a lot less people and a lot more wilderness. So anyways, we were out in this clearing with a coyote call, just playing it, trying to lure some in when we see a dull red light about 100 yards up the road. It was odd cause none of us had lasers or flashlights on our rifles, so we couldn't figure out what it was. When about 30 seconds later, a shot rings out over our heads. We all jumped into the truck and hauled ass toward him, the only way out of the woods from where we are, spotlighting the sides of the road to try and see him, but saw nothing. Easily the scariest night of my life, I work on the woods full time and have never been that terrified. We were camping for a week in an area that we always camped at. One day, me and my mom decided to go for a walk in the afternoon. The campsite was really bushy, and all of a sudden there is this loud scream, and it sounds like a child screaming. And me and my mom were trying to find where this screaming is coming from, because it sounded like a child screaming. And we're worried that he or she is hurt. All of a sudden, there is this lady that comes out of nowhere and is walking towards the screaming, really calmly and slowly, and she then is gone from our sight. The screaming just stops, and it's really quiet for a long time. Then the screaming starts up all again, and we can hear her saying stuff, but we can't make it out because we were far away. Then it all stops again, and five minutes has passed, and we can't hear anything. Then we see the lady come out with this little boy in her arms, and there are two other kids following. Behind her, and their faces are white as a ghost, and their facial expressions are blank, and they're walking out calmly and slowly, and just walk away like nothing happened, and me and my mom just ran the F out of there. It was just creepy, and it started to get really dark. The next day, we were talking to other people, and they said they heard the screaming, too, and we all decided to go and investigate the place where they were. 
There was nothing there but a small clearing looking out at a shit ton of trees and scary-looking branches. We had a really bad feeling when we all went there, and we all ran the F away. Later that day, we hear that the people who were screaming have not been seen in a while, but everyone just thought they packed up and left the campsite. I still wonder today who and where they are. I was following my boyfriend to my college six hours, hours away, so we were in separate cars. We go on road trips often, but this time we were traveling at night. We had just gone through Nacogdoches on our way to Hawkins, Texas, so it was a two-lane paved ride with no shoulder, only tall, thick trees surrounding the road. It's pretty creepy at night on its own, to be honest. There's no cell phone signal, and no one lives there unless you're deep in the woods. You're pretty much messed if you get in an accident late at night because someone would have to drive up on it. It was 2.30 a.m., and we were talking to each other on the phone. I was leading us and going around 80 miles per hour with my brights on. I go down a steep hill, and suddenly an older, very tall, hillbilly-looking man in a wife-beater and overalls is standing in the middle of my lane and staring at me. I don't break whatsoever and scream what the F so my boyfriend will know something is about to happen and back off. I've seen way too many scary movies to end up hanging by a hook in someone's cabin shed. Got me F up. I assume he could tell that I was just going to plow him or maybe he hoped that I would swerve into the trees last minute. But he suddenly moved just barely to the middle stripes, so I miss him. We made eye contact when my lights hit his face and approached him in what I felt really can't be described. At that time, a boyfriend passes by and freaks the F out. We stopped driving that way, and we also stopped driving long distances at night. Only two explanations here. Creepy murderer or meth. I work on a fishing boat that gets contracted out by a cannery in the Alaskan Peninsula during the summer. The only bits of civilization out here are canneries, and the only way in or out is by boat or airplane. Small airplanes. About a week ago, we were anchored up by a cannery for six days. We were on standby for the whole time and didn't have any orders. Normally, we're decently busy and have some sort of work. During this time, we all started to get really bored. We had a hard drive of movies that we powered through. To kill time, we'd sleep a lot. We didn't have a skiff either, so we couldn't get into town. Even if we could get to town, all it had was one store that was open two hours a day and a payphone. We were basically getting cabin fever. Anyways, on the last night, we were there. We started to play some Madden 2013 on an Xbox. I was on a little hot streak of winning, so I quit while I was ahead to go smoke a cigarette on deck. On the ocean up here, you can't see many stars, because during the summer it stays light out for so long, so you really notice bright lights or stars. Well, I notice this particularly bright light because it starts to move. I thought to myself it must be a plane, but then it started to move all over the place. Vertically, horizontally, in circles. I sat there thinking, no, no, that's too weird. But when I was sure this thing was moving, I grabbed another deckhand. I asked, am I crazy, or is that light moving really weird? He started to have the same reaction I had, so we both stood there in disbelief. Once I was convinced I wasn't crazy, I got the other deckings. Both were playing Madden attention. We all stood on deck, hooting and hollering like apes. We were like, holy shit, it's a UFO. What the hell is that thing? What? It was kind of funny. But then I got this really weird sinking feeling. Since the whole North Korea thing has been heating up, it crossed my mind this could be some sort of military thing. After the light stopped moving in crazy patterns, it looked like it starts to head southeast. I immediately ran inside to grab my phone. Luckily, we have internet on the boat to message my family. I thought for a minute this light might be a missile headed for the west coast. I told my family I loved them. Nothing too suspicious. I didn't want to scare them. 
and if it wasn't a missile, I didn't want to sound paranoid. I knew that if a missile did hit anywhere in the United States, I'd have a very high chance of living, because these boats are very sustainable. Besides, having the fuel up there is lots of food aboard and lots of tools to fix any problems. We could go for months, maybe years on our own. After a minute, the light stopped moving. The other Deccans kept saying it was moving, but I wasn't seeing it. I realized we all must have been staring at the TV for too long, and our eyes were probably just adjusting to the outside. We all left it off. I didn't tell anybody I thought it was a missile, because that thought sort of shook me up a little. So out where I live, it's just outside of a town nestled at the bottom of mountains. For your information, I live in Australia, and it's not too secluded. Since I live with my family, and you'll generally come across someone's property every 500 meters. But there are some stretches where you won't see a house for a chem. One night, my mom and I are coming home pretty late at night, and we, we're just talking and listening to the radio. We come around the corner and we both saw this creature that I still don't know what it is till this day. But it had the body the size of a medium dog, mangy-looking black fur, an almost abnormally large head, big green eyes, which was the first thing I noticed, but most weirdly an almost impossibly long and thin neck, like it shouldn't be able to support the large head. My mother and I are cussing like sailors at this point and make a U-turn around to get a better look at it, and within ten seconds there was no trace of it. Normally I'd brush this off as probably a wild dog, but the body just didn't look like a dig, and it was too big for a cat, even a wild one. The real scary part is that my family and I have seen that maybe two to three times now, almost exclusively late at night. However, my soul's father has said that he's also seen it twice, once at night and once at daytime, and I get the feeling we're not the only people in town to have seen it. When I was maybe 14, my friend and I were walking the paths in the woods behind his house, and most of the year there was the lake, really just a big puddle maybe 20 feet across, 5 feet deep, and more or less stagnant with a path that went around one edge of it with the path continuing on the other side. This particular day we went that way, and the lake was empty and dry, not that it was full the previous day. Maybe it was a drought, or just the time of year, or whatever, not the spook part. There was a yellow tent, all ripped up and only partially standing with broken camping gear near it, Coleman lantern, camp stove, that sort of thing. Again, this was maybe 1,500 feet back in the woods in a medium-sized town in Massachusetts. The spooky part was that in front of the tent, there were symbols carved very, very precisely in the dirt. If you've seen a dried place, it's usually underwater. You know, the sort of hard, smooth dirt that the mud dried into. The symbols weren't drawn, like with a stick. They were maybe an inch deep and had sharp, clean edges like a trenching machine might dig, but an inch wide and an inch deep. A couple years later, I found myself a copy of the lesser, greater, T of Solomon, and I got chills. I didn't recognize any of the symbols in particular, but they were certainly in the same vein. Me and my stepsister liked to dick around in the woods by our house. We used to go down there a ton, not so much anymore. I remember about a year ago, we completely lost a trail that we went on every time. Like literally, we entered from the same spot and the woods just weren't the same. Another time we saw this sketchy looking shed in the middle of nowhere. Looked like it hadn't been touched in years. Had rope and a pickaxe in it. We also found this wooden gate after wandering somewhere we hadn't before, and upon looking for it again, could find it anywhere. There's always creepy shit like dolls in there. I once went by myself and had a horrible feeling I was being watched by fairies. There was a mushroom circle nearby and a tree with a sparkling rope. 
not to mention the weird noises we hear a ton but just choose to ignore. Also went kayaking once and saw some dead animal in a cave. The water surrounding that area was crazy cold. There was also a paddle in pieces of a small ship nearby. We were out fishing and kayaking all day. When it got dark, I said of it and just tossed my sleeping bag in my kayak and proceeded to snuggle into it as it was sitting on the dock. Most nights I wake up in the night for some reason or another, and this night was no different. I opened my eyes and looked up into the night sky, because this lake is so dark you can see the Milky Way, except it wasn't there. There was a pterodactyl crane jersey devy, chupacabra-looking sumbitch standing over me like I'm a fate-ass sardine stuck in the comfiest can ever snuggled into the goose. Down of his cousins. I honestly wanted to sit there and watch him, as long as he didn't eat my eyeballs for a fourth meal appetizer, so I did. For a solid hour, he just sat there looking over the water, and I watched him. Also, when I was little, I got told a bunch of stories about tree hoppers, that shit. During my third Philmont trek in 2003, we arrived at Miner's Park and set up camp for the night. As we were hanging our bear bags and chatting with one of the staff members, we heard a deafening roar. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Come from across the meadow on the other side of the camp. The staff member looked at us with an amused grin and said, Oh yeah, we have some mountain lions in the area. They've been here for at least a week, so be careful tonight, guys. That night, most of us struggled to get any sleep, as it sounded like the mountain lions were all around us. Every little noise made us jump, and we kept a close eye on our surroundings throughout the night. It was a tense and unnerving experience, but we were relieved to make it through the night unscathed. On March 18, 2023, I was awoken in the middle of the night at about 3 or 4 a.m. The room was still dark, but there was a slight glow to the room. I was half-conscious and gradually regained more awareness with my eyes fully open. My body was completely paralyzed, but I was fighting and screaming at the entities in the room. I used every strength I had to fight them, reaching my hands out and screaming what I thought was aloud but was telepathic. My body lost all functioning, and I couldn't even open my mouth to scream, but I did mentally as loud as I possibly could. I knew they heard every word I screamed at them. I fought them with all the energy I could. I told them they have no authority to touch me or take anything from me, that I had my free will and they were not permitted to do anything to me. I felt them put more energetic force on me, and I began to get more and more tired unable to stop them, and felt I couldn't fight them any longer and just give up. I heard in my mind to just give up that I could not fight them. I felt like they were taking my baby from me. I had not had my period in two and a half months, and I felt I was pregnant, but was not completely sure because of my age. Forty-five, I felt it could be premenopausal symptoms as well. I eventually tired and felt myself sinking deeper into unconsciousness. I saw more than one being in the room. There was one very tall figure about six or seven feet tall. It was wearing a robe-like gown, and it had two distinct protrusions on its large skull and forehead. It seems to have authority over the matter. There were more beings in the room smaller than the larger one. Not sure how many, but I feel there were at least two more. I remember I really hated the taller one, as it seemed to have no care for what it was doing to me, and what could have possibly been a small embryo of mine. 
I don't know if they impregnated me or if I was pregnant with my partner and they took the small fetus from us. I don't know if I was even pregnant for sure. It was just a feeling and I was screaming out to them in the middle of the night. I very quickly fell deep asleep. The next day I felt it was a horrible nightmare that my eyes were fully open to see what I saw. But I knew very well this was a familiar feeling to me as in 1994. I had another similar experience with two small greys in the middle of the night when they temporarily paralyzed me and shoved something up my nose. At that time, I thought it might have been a terrifying nightmare, but over the years I was shown footage of abduction accounts and realized they were very similar to my own experience and began to realize that those experiences were as real as they felt. A couple days after this incident took place, I had the intuition to check my body to see if there was any visible evidence from my experience. So just before I had a shower, I had a look around my body, and then I noticed an indentation on my mid-back right side, just along my spine. It felt like a hole in my back with a layer of skin on top. It was something very unusual and an unlikely thing to find on your back. I feel some discomfort from it, and it feels like a wound as though it is in the process of healing. It's like a piece of tissue beside my spine has been taken. I feel a metallic feel around it, and it's slightly sensitive when I move or twist my back. I felt a lot of anger from this experience because I did not agree or give my permission to do whatever it is they are doing. I had to learn to just let it go and not allow fear or anger to overtake me. I do feel some fear of going to bed now and have noticed I'm going to bed a lot later staying up until 2 a.m. My partner is away a lot so I'm sleeping alone most nights. I wonder if he had been there sleeping beside me if these beings would have come. I'm trying to have positive thoughts that maybe whatever these beings are doing to experiment with our DNA or embryos is for some greater good. I really hope so anyways. This last experience was not at all good, and I wonder if they truly were Etau or government posing as ETs. I'd love to go under hypnosis to know the truth, and for a doctor or specialist who is familiar with these type of extractions from the body to have a look at the indentation on my back. Thanks for listening. I hope one day we will get more answers to what all these experiences mean. My mother died of cancer when I was nine. Fast forward through nine years of depression and trying to learn how to deal with it. Avid drug user to try and cope. Not healthy, I know. Decides to take powdered DMT closer to a ayahuasca than DMT, really. A very spiritual drug. Have mild visuals for a couple hours, but nothing crazy. Decided to go for a walk by myself to this lake. My mother and I visited all the time as a kid. Start talking to her randomly because I'm feeling lost and confused in my life. All of a sudden, the wind picks up heavily, but only in a circle around me. I could see trees in the distance not moving at all. Lake was still, literally only around me. Wind wasn't cold either. I could actually feel warmth just coating me like a hug. She could hear me and was trying to comfort me. Out of nowhere, a crane appears and flies down by the water. As I look at it, it turns, stares at me for ten seconds, then vanishes into thin air. To this day, cranes have always resonated with me as my mother's spirit watching over me. People are going to say it was the drugs that made this experience happen. I don't care. At the time, and still now, I know she was there trying to communicate to me that everything was going to be okay. It's 2005. My daughter and I were visiting my papa after his quadruple bypass surgery. I set up camp for the two of us in the living room, which was on the opposite side of the house from his bedroom. My daughter was only three months old at the time, so I didn't want to run the risk of waking him during midnight feedings and whatnot. We're probably into the third week of our visit. It's about 2 a.m., and the little one wakes up for a feeding. I change her, feed her, put her back to bed. 
I'm wide awake now, so I laid back down on the pull-out couch and turned on the TV. I'm about ten minutes into a Roseanne rerun when I start to hear sounds coming from the dining room. Thinking it was my grandpa, I turned the volume down on the TV and called out to see if he needed anything. I didn't receive a response back, but now I can clearly hear the sound of rattling doorknobs. The dining room has double doors that open to the back deck. I sat up to look just beyond the kitchen into the dining room, and there's no one there, but the doorknobs are still rattling. This is when I start to freak the F out. Someone's trying to break into the house, and we're all going to die. So what do I do? I curl into a ball on the bed because the sudden panic attack had taken over the ability to use my brain. Within seconds of curling into the fetal position, the doorknobs stop rattling. There's absolute silence. I swear I was laying there for what seemed like an hour, but it was probably only a couple of minutes. That's when I heard the footsteps. The living room and dining room are separated by a small kitchen. These footsteps started at the entrance to the kitchen from the dining room and made their way ever so slow and steady across the linoleum floor towards the living room where I lay frozen solid, the hair standing up on my arms and back of my neck. They stopped just short of the living room, and that was it. No more noise. No more footsteps. Whatever it was never retreated back in the direction it had come from. There was nothing. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. When I started college, my mother and little sister moved into an old house way back in the woods in Mississippi. The road leading up to it went from four-lane highway to two to gravel to dirt track to two ruts worn into the dirt with branches slapping up against the sides of your car as you drove it. It was miles from the nearest town, and that town was very small and many, many more miles from the next town. It was isolated, is what I'm saying. The owner, who was the nearest neighbor, told her it had been built in the 20s sometime, but it was sturdy and well-maintained. A simple but handsome little house, shotgun style with a concrete porch on the front and a backyard big enough for maybe some chickens and pigs if you wanted them. All around it, nothing but miles of forest. There was no air conditioning. Normally for my mom, that would be a big no, but there was an attic fan which worked really well at keeping the temperature under murderous, and because of the isolation and age, it was a dirt-cheap rental. Moreover, though, mom took it because she said that from the moment she set foot on the property, she got this happy, positive feeling about it, a kind of peaceful vibe. She said it felt like a home more than a house. When I came to visit for the first time, I had to agree. I immediately felt this sensation of welcome there, almost like it was constantly a holiday and any minute someone you love is going to come through the door. Maybe I'm overselling it, but it was just a nice little place to be. It was only a couple hours drive from me, so I visited as often as I could, especially when I felt like I needed a retreat from school. One night I was there for a weekend sitting in the living room and waiting for dinner when I heard my sister and mom from the kitchen talking about the Indians. I couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, but it sounded like people they knew. As far as I was aware, the local native tribes were way long gone from the world, and so I was curious who they meant and asked her later at the table. Oh, sometimes we see these people running through the backyard from the kitchen window, your sister calls them Indians, but they just look like children playing to me. We only ever catch glances of them through the window. If you go outside, they're never there. She went on to tell me she had seen all sorts of unusual things since they moved in. Mostly small things that could easily be explained. Two were very strange, though. The positive feeling she'd felt about the place had bloomed into a full-on nurturing to the point that when she went to bed at night, she felt as if the house was tucking her in. No physical sensation, just a sense of being loved. And she kept seeing lights in the front room. She said at first she thought it was cars pulling up into the front yard and light reflecting off and into the windows. But she never heard a car and would go outside to find no one there. It was almost like someone shining a mirror into the windows, just moving glints and flashes.
Oddly, no one found any of this disturbing. I never saw any of that myself, and things went on as usual. Then my first year ended, and I came for one last visit before going out of town for my summer job. It was late one night, and I was sitting out on the front porch enjoying a cigarette. The stars that far out into nowhere are amazing. I was happy for the way the year had gone and excited for the summer and just enjoying the night. It was hot, but there was a little bit of a breeze. I could hear the hum of the attic fan behind me in the house and from the woods that whine and chirp from the crickets and cicadas and countless other night critters. Those of you who've heard it know it has some variation, this symphony, but is a constant wall of sound. I had mostly tuned it out, thinking of not much of anything when I noticed it seemed to be getting louder. Then it was definitely getting louder. Then it was kind of scary loud. And then it just stopped. Full on. Full stop. Not a chirp or a creak or a croak. Not only that, but I couldn't hear the fan going inside anymore. Even the light breeze had stopped. Just silence all around. I was afraid I'd suddenly gone deaf, but I could hear my feet scraping on the porch and my own breathing. I thought about making a bigger noise or calling out, but I was startled by the suddenness of it. I also figured that that many things going silent all at once might be a precursor to something else. Sure enough, I started to hear something else. It was a sort of rhythmic thrumming, very faint, a steady and soft womb-womb sound, low, almost like a heartbeat. It built a bit, but never got loud, always just barely over the threshold of hearing. It almost could have been a train, but there were no tracks anywhere near us. The weather was clear, the highway far off. It didn't sound mechanical anyway, but it didn't sound entirely organic either. I walked off the porch into the front yard to try to hear it better, and I could feel it in the ground, this soft pulsing in time with the sound. I was barefoot, but I think even with shoes I'd have noticed it. I could feel it in my ankles and knees, the whole world beating like a big heart. After a while, I wasn't even sure if I was really hearing it or just feeling it. There was no major change from that point on, although I imagined it was continuing to build. Then after some time, I have no idea how much, it just stopped. No fade, just silence again. Then, just as suddenly as they had stopped before, the crickets and other noisemakers started up again. I went inside and went to bed. Mom had to move out of the house while I was away for the summer. Different story, but she still talks about it. She told me she'd mentioned all this stuff to the owner, who was a very nice older lady, and that she suddenly went all cagey on her and didn't want to talk about it. Last I heard, the owner passed, and her heirs sold the land. The house is surely gone now. I saw something ten years ago in Los Angeles. It's an experience that I'll never forget. Back then, I was working a temp job that required me to park my car in an underground garage. At first, it was just like any other job. I worked there for several months without incident. But one day, something happened that changed everything. It was around 9 a.m., and I was driving into the garage like I always did. But as I was driving, something caught my eye to the left of me. At first, I thought it was just a trick of the light. But as I turned to take a better look, I realized it was something else entirely. There, standing before me, was a human-like figure that was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was massive, eight or nine feet tall, maybe even taller. But what was truly strange was the fact it had no facial features and no limbs. Instead, it was made of brownish smoke that was swirling ferociously and moving towards me. Not walking, but simply swirling and moving forward. I was frozen in terror. I couldn't move, couldn't look away. I felt like I was being pulled towards the figure, like it had some kind of strange hold on me. But then, in a moment of clarity, I snapped out of it and realized I needed to get out of there. I quickly parked my car and ran inside the building, my heart racing and my mind reeling. The rest of the day passed in a blur. I couldn't focus on my work, couldn't shake the feeling that something was following me. And as the end of the shift approached, 
I knew I needed to get out of there as fast as possible. I quickly jumped into my car and started driving away, but as I looked back, I saw the figure again. It seemed to be coming towards my car like it was following me. I felt a wave of panic wash over me. I couldn't stay there any longer. I needed to get out to escape whatever it was that was chasing me. I exited the garage as fast as I could, my heart pounding in my chest. And then, once I was outside, I drove away as quickly as I could. That was the last time I ever went to that building. The next morning, I quit my job and never looked back. Even now, ten years later, I still can't explain what I saw that day. Was it some kind of ghost or apparition? Was it just my imagination playing tricks on me? I'll never know for sure. But one thing's for certain. I'll never forget that experience, and I'll always be grateful that I was able to get away from whatever it was that was chasing me. My whole family and I were camping at the Malala River. We set up camp near Mile Marker 7. Our campsite was right on the river. While taking a drive, we noticed some trees twisted and broken in the forest, and we thought nothing about it at the time. We just wondered. Then even farther up the road, we pulled off of the main road and found some other people at a campsite, and my parents were chatting with them. Then my parents headed back to our car and said that we can get out and play around because they weren't done talking. Then we heard the people saying that they were Bigfoot researchers, and they showed us photographs that they had that were taken at that very campsite, and they were also beating the trees with baseball bats. They also gave my mom a book or card or something. Uh, I can't remember. Well, from here on, my memory somewhat runs together, but I know it happened over about three days. The first night, we noticed something. We heard two screams, also described below. One was coming from the river, just down the hill from us. That night, we had some spaghetti. Well, I'll bring this back up later. My dad reassured us it was just a cougar and that we should go back to sleep, and then we all heard something walk past our tent on the gravel, and then we heard clanking and rummaging through our things near the kitchen. My mom didn't wash dishes. The next morning, we went down to the river, and we found our spaghetti sauce spoon near the riverbed, clean. Our stuff was also all strewn around, whether or not it was a Sasquatch, I am not sure. Also, we saw a track in the mud on the trail to the river, and we took a picture of it next to a tape measure. I can't remember the measurement or where it went. I'm estranged from my mother now, so I am not sure if she still has it. This is the main sighting next. My sister, Marianne, and I were sitting on some wool blankets coloring and my mom was cooking us some dinner again. Near my sister and I, there are three large trees, and I thought I saw something run behind the tree, and my sister looked at me too. Then we both stared, and we saw a large creature. Yes, Bigfoot, run behind the second tree, and a somewhat shorter and smaller one ran behind the third big tree. Believe me, I bolted to my mom, and she asked me what happened. On a funny note, it scared us so bad that my younger sister wet her pants. She then told all of us kids to get in the car. The tent wouldn't be that safe, and judging by the twisted trees, the car didn't seem that safe either when I looked back on it. I ran to the car, and I looked in the trees, and there was one of the Bigfoots crouching in the bushes, just staring at my mom. It scared the hell out of me, and from this day, this sighting is still really vivid in my mind. And it still gives me goosebumps. My younger brother, he was only about four, ran to our tent and brought back a BB gun, and then the Bigfoot turned around and bolted in the woods on its two feet. When my dad came back that day a few hours later, it was dark. He found us all sitting in the car. I think we left the next day. I was driving with Edwin Pratt who was 58, on our way to a farm when we witnessed something peculiar. An orange glow descended from the sky, causing our car to shudder and shake uncontrollably. We careened off the road and onto a grass verge to the right, where we came to a stop. The headlights were now four times their normal intensity. 
Just 15 feet in front of us was a glowing orange cigar-shaped object that was 15 feet long and hovering just 12, 18 inches above the grass. It had a window at the top left through which he could see the heads of three men. Suddenly a man emerged from the object, but we saw no door open. He walked towards our car, which was now still shaking. Even as he approached, the man was about six feet tall, slim, and was dressed in a silvery one-piece suit that looked like aluminum foil, complete with a seam or zipper down the front. He wore no helmet, and his skin was pale with long blonde hair and a dark beard. As he bent over and looked into the car, we noticed that he had a long, sharp, pointed nose and piercing pink eyes that resembled those of a rabbit. To our surprise, the car's engine spontaneously started. After about two minutes, the man moved to the back of the car and disappeared from view. The object had vanished by this point, and the car behaved normally afterwards. In fact, it even performed better than before the incident. I actually live about 35 minutes from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in a little town called Ripley. I have friends in Point that have had some pretty messed up encounters driving through the McClinic Wildlife Preserve. That's where the area they call TNT is located. There are these old ammunition storage bunkers that look like giant igloos and some old worn down and deserted factories. Talk about one hell of a creepy ass place. My buddy Brian said he and two friends were out there back in 2002 driving around the maze of back roads when they heard something hit the roof of the truck, and when they looked out the back glass, they could see what looked like a person hanging gliding behind them. It was very dark, and they could only make out the outline. He said it followed them and kept hitting the roof for about a mile. They were losing their minds with fear the whole time. The thing was keeping up with them even when they were doing 70-plus in a couple spots. He said he'll never forget that night, and I know he wouldn't make something like that up. He's a very devoted Christian and churchgoer. I'll start out by saying that the small town where I grew up, and where all of my family still resides, is in Monroe County, Ohio, maybe 20 minutes or so outside of Wheeling, West Virginia, I was talking to my dad on the phone the other night. He told me that last week while driving home from work, he came across something he can't explain. His voice was shaky, unlike I have ever heard him. He works the night shift at a local coal mine, and while driving home from work early one morning around 5.30 a.m., he noticed a large creature crouched down in the road. It had bright red glowing eyes that looked directly at him. He said this creature also had very large wings which were wrapped around it as it crouched. He said he had never in his life seen anything like this. It had really upset him. He proceeded to drive by it, but when he looked behind him, it was gone. He said that he was actually scared to get out of his car when he got home, in fear that perhaps it had followed him, or was even in his car. After a few very tense minutes, he slowly got out of the car. There was nothing there. I asked him if he had ever heard of the Mothman. He kind of paused, then said that he had never heard of it until he started talking to people about what he had seen. He said that they would say right away, It sounds like you saw the Mothman. You hear weird stories all the time, and because you don't really know the person who witnessed it, you just shrug it off. Knowing my dad and what a logical thinker he is, I believe he encountered something supernatural. He is usually the one who tries to come up with logical answers for things that are otherwise unexplained. He's very skeptical when it comes to aliens, UFOs, ghosts, etc. For me to talk to him and hear him tell me about this Mothman, like creature, was shocking. For this is not like my father. I will say that I am concerned. For what I understand is that when a person actually witnesses a Mothman, Oftentimes bad things happen afterward. There isn't a doubt in my mind that what he saw was 100% true. It has completely made a believer out of me when it comes to the Mothman. I hope for the sake of my father and my family that that isn't true and that he made a mistake of identity.
I saw the Mothman as it flew over my school bus, and I think it was winter of 1966. The school bus driver, Odell Wallace, and I were the last ones on the bus. As we had already dropped off all the other kids and were headed toward the end of the school bus route, on Big 16 Mile Creek in Mason County. I lived another mile past that. I would walk in the morning to the bus and home from it in the evening, and it flew over the bus and was no more than 100 feet above us, and we could see that the wingspan of this thing was about the length of the bus. After it flew over, I looked up into the mirror that the driver used to watch the kids as he drove. He was looking back at me, and I said, Did you see that? He just looked at me, and nodded and nothing else was said. I haven't told too many people about this for fear of ridicule and joking bull, but now I'm 65 years old and I don't care what anybody says. I know what I saw was not anything normal. I'm a hunter also, deer, hunter, rabbit, squirrel, groundhog, or anything else I can eat that doesn't have antibiotics and human footprints in it, and I've never before seen anything like it, and not since even though I'm always in the woods. So I know that the dang thing existed, or still exists.